Overnight Scape. Oh, yeah. We are. It, there's nothing like this. Uh, it, it, and this is a weird time, by the way. This is the Overnight Scape Central. I am PQ River. Uh, sometimes I just get started and I forget to uh, mention that. Although you did, uh, this, unlike radio, that, that, that's the thing about podcasts that throws me. I mean, yes, if you're doing a radio show, you can assume somebody is listening accidentally or, you know, tuning around and identifying yourself is probably a good idea. But, uh, and I've said this before, in the world of podcasting, somebody had to have like gone to a page or gone to somewhere and chose and downloaded something. So, uh, all of this, and that's what it, you know, sometimes I'll listen to podcasts overnight because I like having some noise going. And that's some shows. Uh, I mean, the intro is like this big, long, elaborate thing that every time you listen to the show, you got to go through that. And then there's this very long and elaborate ending that is, and you know what? I think disinformation probably is superfluous in our uh, crazy and I, I think this format I think the exit ramp is becoming the new overnightscape central and uh, I'm not sure how this is going to roll I mean uh, I don't think the central is going anywhere immediately or anything like that but uh and, and, and it's, hey, it's easier for me if there's only a few contributions, but it's also, you know, I don't know. It goes back and forth. And then, of course, there's the other factors, ego and, oh, nobody likes the central anymore. So, you know, you know how that gets. And uh, we are this week uh, going to do something just we, we all needed to cheer up. So I thought stuff to laugh at would be just the thing and uh, i think we are in good hands uh dave in kentucky has uh deigned to make one of his rare but exceptional appearances and i look forward to he he and i have a believe a similar sense of humor uh so that should be good and frank Frank got something in, as always, and I bet you Frank will make us laugh or steer us towards things that certainly will make us laugh. And uh, who knows, maybe I'll come up with something uh, to toss in here as well as we proceed on this audio adventure. Uh, another week in May in 2022. Oh, man, all these twos. Does it mean anything? Who knows? But I do know that this is Dave in Kentucky, and this should be good. Thanks, PQ. You know, when I started thinking about um, stuff to laugh at, I naturally kind of gravitated toward my um, old-time radio shows, comedy shows. But, you know, everybody here is so familiar already with you know shows like jack benny and um burns and allen amos and andy fibber and molly lum and abner <laughs> vic and sade um gildersleeve so on i i tried to pick something less well known and i uh, came up with uh, the judy canova show 
that started on uh, CBS in 1943 and moved to NBC in 45, where it lasted until 1953. She played a, uh, Judy Canova played a uh, man-crazy country girl who lived with her Aunt Aggie um, on a um, Southern California ranch called uh, Rancho Canova. And uh, several other colorful characters lived there, too. Uh, Ruby Dandridge played Geranium, a big black woman from a, 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 an apparently big black family. And I say apparently because she must have had a bunch of older sisters that used up all the good flower names already. And uh, there was uh, Mel Blanc playing Pedro, the Mexican ranch hand. And he used the same voice that he used on uh, the Jack Benny show when he played Sai, the brother of Sue, who always said, see, <laughs> only on the, the Canova show, um, his byword was, pardon me for talking in your face. And uh, he threw in a lot of, I think. Well, there's a, a clip that I got from one of the shows from 1948 that I think illustrates a lot of the typical goings-on between uh, Judy and her Aunt Aggie. and Well, not so much Aunt Aggie, but Judy and Geranium and Pedro. Anyway, here's a clip from 1948. Well, this week, Judy's boyfriend, Benchley Botsford, is down in Palm Springs. And Judy is going to drive down there to see him. That's right, Howard. Judy, as long as you're going to Palm Springs, are you taking your bathing suit with you? Yeah, Howard. I bought me one of them new French bathing suits. Ordered it by mail. Oh, what do they send you? Two bandanas and a four-way cold tablet. <laughs> yeah, and you know, uh, a shoehorn and a hacksaw came with the bathing suit, too. A shoehorn and a hacksaw? Yep. The shoehorn gets you into the bathing suit and the hacksaw gets you out of jail. <laughs> Well, that isn't the bathing suit you're holding in your hand, is it? Yes, no, this is a marriage license. I bought it yesterday. You know, it's leap year. Look, it's made out to Judy Canova. Oh. oh, but Judy, the second line of the marriage license is blank. Oh, no, it ain't. The clerk put the initials D-B-A-C where the man's supposed to sign. D-B-A-C? Yeah. What does that mean? Don't be a chump. <laughs> I'm going to try to get my boyfriend Benchley's name on that license. But, Judy, you're not engaged to Benchley, are you? Well, not exactly. But once I came awful close to being engaged. Close? Yeah. Benchley was sitting in the parlor blowing a smoke ring, so I shoved my finger through it and says, I will. (laughs) (laughs) Judy. I almost had him there. (laughs) (laughs) Judy, are you sure Benchley Bosford is the right man for you? Oh, he sure is hard. Well, we just meant for each other. My nose turns up and Benchley's nose turns down. <laughs> What's that got to do with it? Well, every time we kiss, we lock bumpers. <laughs> <laughs> well, Judy, I, I know you're in a hurry, so I won't keep you. I hope everything works out all right for you and Benchley. Thank you, Howard. See you next week. Oh, Miss Judy. <laughs> yes, Uranium. Pedro has a car ready outside, but he says I got to sit in the front seat or he can't steer. Why can't he steer? Funny, when I sit in the back seat, the front wheels never touch the ground. <laughs> Geranium. Geranium, listen here. Did you get the meat and pack a lunch like I asked you to? Oh, Miss Judy, you only gave me $2. Well, 
They don't get much meat these days. Well, what did you get for the two dollars? <laughs> the butcher let me smell the meat hook. <laughs> got a chicken yesterday. Got the chicken. Did you barbecue that? Well, I didn't have much luck with that either, Miss Judy. You told me to put the chicken in the barbecue pit and turn for three hours. Well? When I've been turning for two hours, I'm as dizzy as a goat. <laughs> well, never mind, never mind. We'll pick up something on the way to Palm Springs. Oh, is Aunt Aggie out in the car with Pedro? Yeah, Miss Judy. Golly, I hope this trip is worthwhile. I hope you ain't sorry afterwards. <laughs> what are you laughing at? I was just thinking, Miss Judy, you know marriage is just like a cafeteria. <laughs> marriage is like a cafeteria. <laughs> yeah, a man grabs what he wants and pays for it later. <laughs> for Palm Springs and see what happens. <laughs> Pedro, you better slow down. We're coming to a town. Si, senorita. Yes, Pedro. I want you to drive more carefully. Oh, senor, I am a very safe driver. I only drive in a safety zone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Pedro, I don't think you know the driving laws. Yes, Pedro. When you see a long white stripe crossing the highway, what do you do? I go into reverse. <laughs> Who wants to run over a skunk? <laughs> Pedro, Pedro, Aunt Aggie means a white line, like for a pedestrian zone. You know, the California law is very strict about that. Well, Senorita, when I see people crossing in a pedestrian zone, I do exactly like all the other California drivers do. You mean you come to a full stop for the pedestrians? No, I chase them up on the sidewalk where they belong. <laughs> they should be more careful. You know, when people stop being careful, they stop being people. <laughs> I think. <laughs> Don't you? <laughs> Oh, look, here's Riverside. We're halfway to Palm Springs and Benchley Park. Pedro! Pedro, why are you drawing so fast? Senorita, there's a man on a scooter following us. <laughs> Pedro, that's not a scooter. It's a motorcycle cop. Oh, golly, Senorita, I won. You won? See, I've been racing him all the way from Cucamonga. <laughs> Pedro, Pedro, that copper wants your driver's license. Have you got it? Well, just a minute. I'll feel around in my back pocket. What do you feel? Me. The lining is out of my pocket. <laughs> hey, what's the idea of going so fast? Well, officer, we're just being careful. Careful? Yeah, you see, the brakes don't work, and we're trying to get to Palm Springs before we have an accident. That makes sense, don't it? Hmm. I suppose you're the owner of this car. You got a driver's license? Yes, sir. Here you are. Lady, this is a social security card. What's this got to do with speeding? They said it'd keep me out of trouble when I got over 65. 
<laughs> oh, that's very funny, Senorita. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, another wise guy, huh? Well, just for that, I'm going to give you a ticket. Why were you people in such a hurry anyway? Well, you see, officer, I want to get Benchley Botsford's name on this marriage license. Benchley Botsford? Why, I know him. He's an old friend of mine. Golly, then you can do him a favor. This marriage license ain't any good after three days. Three days? Gosh, then I can't let an old friend like Benchley down at a time like this. Then are you going to help me get to Palm Springs in a hurry? No, I'm going to keep you here for four days. <laughs> As a comedian, you could probably think of Judy Canova as kind of a proto-Mini-Pearl. Um, and in retrospect, I suppose Mini-Pearl probably got part of her character from Judy Canova. But uh, Judy was also a singer, and she could have been taken more seriously as a singer, I guess, if she'd taken her material more seriously, but she wasn't. Uh, usually inclined to do that. Uh, at least she wasn't when she was doing her radio show. I particularly enjoy what she did with her bluesy material, uh, which she usually started out doing straight, but uh, <laughs> uh, these songs ended up deteriorating into uh, yodels and uh, deranged falsettos. That's definitely stuff to laugh at. I found three blues songs uh, from the 1940s seasons of her shows that I would uh, like to play for you. Um, and fortunately, these three songs were written in the teens, you know, between oh, about 1914 and 1919. So they are definitely in the uh, public domain. And um, as far as you know the 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 song itself goes and and the performance well there's usually no problem playing old time radio shows so without further ado um Judy Canova sings the blues this first one's called sugar blues have you heard these blues gonna sing to you when you hear them life will be so sweet for you Sugar blues, my sugar got. 
interpretation of After You've Gone. After you've gone and left me sighing After you've gone there's no denying you feel blue you feel sad you'll miss the dearest gal that you've ever had Oh, there'll come a time when you regret it there'll come a time and don't forget it when you grow lonely, your heart will break like mine and you want me only after you've gone, after you've gone away. After you've gone, gone and left me dying, after you've gone, there's no denying you feel Forget it. Someday, when you grow lonely, your heart will break like mine, and you want me only. Now back to Judy Canova and her own unusual interpretation of "I Ain't Got Nobody." Somebody come. 
come and take a chance with me. Where's Leonard Pence Garnell when you need him? <laughs> anyway, it's something to laugh at. Back to you, PQ. Nice one, Dave. I've, I've always kind of hovered around, and I mean, I've heard examples, but that was remarkable. And, and those songs, I mean, th this is somebody singing live into a microphone, not well, it is sort of a studio setting, but uh, I don't know. Most uh, singers, so to speak, today, I do not believe would, that was just some remarkable singing uh, under any circumstances. And, and the jokes were good. And uh, at the Mel Blanc, I, I, I go back and forth, but that was, that was good Mel Blanc and uh, good writing and I forget that there is the whole world of the shows that I have intended to get to eventually and focused on other programs. I, the world of old-time radio is a inexhaustible source. I, you'd have to be really determined to uh, have absorbed, although a lot of it, I mean... Things like Red Skelton. Can anybody listen to Red Skelton in any quantity? I mean, yeah, one show, okay, haha. -ha. Or that uh, there are a few of them that just complete Bob Hope, but his stuff was more topical to begin with. So unless you're, although it might be interesting. If there's that guy who's doing week by week World War II. I wonder if you could line up all the Bob Hope shows with these news updates that this guy does and put that into real... T oh, boy, there's a whole project for somebody. Somebody who isn't me. Uh, and we've got some Frank... And I've got a couple things here that uh, one might laugh at from the vaults. Old stuff... Uh, no doubt this stuff is somewhere in the Quake Reversal satellite or uh, pop culture QD, perhaps, or even maybe Night Project. Who knows? Uh, so many shows, so many songs. Uh, when I, I, I feel sorry for whoever organizes all the music I have done because if I haven't done it by now, I, it's not going to be me.
Joe. silliness from gosh it's probably around 2004 yeah oh yeah and uh, a song about the g-man general the legendary g-man general mr joe and and here's something else that, that i'm sure there are some esoteric laughs here and that was a really vague area ah. which is a tempting proposition I want to see Abe Vigoda bring money back to that state of shiny shells and beads, you know? That's uh, really good so far. Really good. And there is this kind of psychedelic, cosmic, hippie vibe, druggy hippie vibe. They are good and fine and fun. We're always glad that you're listening and always glad to hear from you. It's this and it's that. It's, it's really something that you have to do for yourself. Um, if anyone out there knows anything about material that was not designed for dishwashers, wasn't really able to um, find a lot of information. You should make them different. Uh, I think you were doing a good job. Keep it up. You don't know me. And the, and the audience applauded. He was badly stunned and knocked out. So I started listening to it just every single night. Why would they want to do this? That's not her real name. We're going to call her Rose. I never knew this. All right. Is it, is it working? Where, where does this urge come from to do this? She's Sid Charisse's niece. The whole thing collapsed, basically. But And you are listening. A great recording. Perhaps they're like hummingbirds. Who lives there? <laughs> Who knows how much difference there is between the two dreams and reality. This is interesting. Um, that's, ch- that's geek speak for the actual satellite satellite channel and audio channels that we use to record it on. For only $20, what do you want? You know, if it maintains this quality, I, I will be very pleased. They promptly plunged the box and the courier pack into a 55-gallon drum of water. I think they ought to at least try the Kool-Aid. Uh, hours of fun for pennies. Oh, really? Yeah. All right. That should be better. <clears throat> okay. Oh, yeah, the the art of audio collage, the forgotten magic. Uh, You haven't done any of that in a very long time. Boy, we are just, there's so much going on, and yet everything seems to be coming back around in a certain way as well. This is, I don't know, uh, for confused and perhaps scary times, uh, maybe when the going gets weird, the weird gets going or something. But uh, my, uh, for any number of reasons, I am operating uh, on some uh, elevated level of creativity. We're doing some amazing new stuff, uh, some not on Onsug, and we're keeping this going somehow. And uh, what, it, like tomorrow, tomorrow? Yeah, it's a good thing I'm getting this show done. Tomorrow, there is a exit ramp. 
at uh, in the evening on a Wednesday. So if you're hearing this, like I put it out, what, Tuesday night? Yeah, you could possibly hear this, and uh, you may want to check that out, because whenever I see a notice, I assume it's going to be Saturday, and I don't look at the fine print. And uh, I am here to notify you of that fine print at this moment. But it, it could be you that needed to know that. And uh, this is a public service announcement. And, and the, the exit ramp, I, as I was saying earlier, that could be really the future of even the overnight scape central. Uh, to just, But I don't know. There is something special about the isolation of interacting and like especially if I'm around. I, I, you know, I can be polite and I've gotten better over the years, but I still will interrupt and crash your train of thought. Uh, I'll do it. To take my word for it. I will come up with some word association in my head and lead us all on a digression from which nobody will ever regain their train of thought. It's just something... It, yeah, that, that's <laughs> anyhow. Uh, with that, uh, let's see what Frank's got cooked up for us with the stuff to laugh at. I guess there's like silly people, right? That you're supposed to laugh at the person, right? Um, remember, there were these Lego figurines at one point, and there were three silly people I was trying to get. It was a jester, a clown, and a mime, right? Now, a mime, I'm not sure if, if a mime is supposed to be funny or not. I don't know whatever happened with the art of mime because, uh, you know, actual mimes like Marcel Marceau, I can't say that I've really seen much of his work other than his uh, his voice voice acting work in, in Silent Movie, right? Wasn't that, was that a Mel Brooks movie called Silent Movie and Marcel Marceau, who usually performs silently, was the only one to have a line of dialogue in the movie? But otherwise, like, mimes are, are sort of people that... And it's interesting because I did see... Uh, this uh, Slava Snow Show, a Russian uh, performance of uh, uh, clowns, but a different kind of clowning, a lot more mime and, and, and not a lot of dialogue. I know a lot of clowns do not speak, but they do a lot of physical comedy and stuff. But this, was, this one was very moving and very deep, kind of uh, Slava Snow Show. But you think of a mime wearing a, a striped shirt, sort of like, what, are they in jail? They're wearing a striped shirt. They're in mime jail, uh, but they, they, they pretend there's like a pane of glass that's not there or there's a they're pulling on a rope that's not there. And I think that it's a legitimate art form. Oh, but wait, how about Moomin Were they uh, remember Moomin It was like this uh, this performance of people like wearing like weird like their eyes were like t- rolls of toilet paper or something. And it was like a weird mime kind of thing. <laughs> I actually remember, because the reason I know, I never saw Moomin' Chance, but apparently, you know, I, I think it came back at some point, but there were endless TV commercials for it, like back in the 70s and 80s. Mo- go see Moomin' Chance. Anyway, um, but yeah, so the art of mime, but usually now mimes are just made fun of, right? And that's something to laugh at is a person m- mocking a mime, right? The hell is this? This paper towel is pissing me off. The hell is that? See, when I catch a spider inside, I like to I like to bring it 
out and not kill it, but let it loose outside using gently using a paper towel. In this case, the paper towel was secured by a rock that's blowing around the breeze. Anyway, yeah, rather windy out here. It's supposed to get warmer this week, but it feels rather chilly. Um, anyway, uh, like for example, in uh, I think one thing that's great to laugh at is, is and it's a movie that came up at work the other day. Uh, this is Spinal Tap, right? Because uh, one of the drummers that uh, was in the movie died in real life. But, of course, that prompted the joke. Oh, oh, did he die in a bizarre gardening accident? Did he choke on vomit, but it was someone else's vomit? Or did he just explode? That's just from memory. I think that's the way the drummers had died in, in the band. Uh, I know it's rather morbid humor. I mean, the guy died in real life. But, you know, the, I, the whole... Listen, this is Spinal Tap. It still, I think, stands up. And I was actually watching. It's not just the movie. I was watching uh, the guys. Spinal Tap is a fake band with some incredibly funny and and, uh, talented performers, Michael McKeon and uh, Harry Shearer and Christopher Guest. They're the main guys. And those guys have done a ton of stuff together. The movies, the Christopher Guest, right, the... A Mighty Wind and Best in Show, those kind of movies. And they were also on Saturday Night Live at one point, you know. Michael McKean had a notable um, run on uh, Better Call Saul as, as uh, Saul Goodman or Jimmy Jimmy's brother. Um, but yes, yeah, Spinal Tap. You can, if you, I was watching one of their interviews from like 1993 or something with I think Charlie Gibson, one of, one of these morning shows. It was just really funny. They were really good and they and they play basically the this archetype of a of a happy idiot which is i think one really um really central to a lot of humor based on a person you know like making fun of a person right i think that's very important so it's it's of uh, the happy idiot that's just my name for the archetype is someone that's um very self-assured but clearly very stupid and very weird, but they, they're very sure of themselves and they're very happy with themselves, right? They, they have a sort of a jolly, uh, almost a hedonistic perspective on things. Um, and, it, and it becomes something that's quite uh, funny, right? Um, I think that uh, the guys in Spinal Tap, they're sort of modeled after sort of self-absorbed uh, uh rock stars that think they're smarter than they really are that are constantly misunderstanding things right so you from an outside perspective looking at this person who's who's you know you know like the, the, the classic line uh, this goes up to 11 well why don't you just make 10 the loudest but this goes to 11 you know the, the guy's kind of he's, he's not getting it that like it doesn't matter how loud it is you can make the top volume 10 but this goes to 11 you know uh and so you're like, wow, this guy doesn't understand that, but he thinks it's really cool that it goes to 11. He doesn't understand it's not necessary. And somehow we find that compelling and interesting. He's kind of a funny guy, you know. Um, in a way, we feel sort of superior to, to a person like that. Um, and we feel almost a warmth towards these. Uh, and I think it might relate to how we're probably, you know, predisposed to um, care for children, right? That we sort of, and a, a child is always kind of 
misinterpreting things or doesn't know about things and right we we want to help them and we feel a warm feeling being a guardian over them and helping them that might be really i know i always try to find some sort of base reason for this stuff you know and of course the analysis of humor often tends to be not very funny but um right so why do we find these kind of hapless or lost characters to be so funny it might really stem from a built-in to the human being uh, obviously for the survival of the species to be protective of and nurturing towards children obviously human being human children are born very helpless and very small and need to be very much cared for by adults until they can care for themselves a number of years later so that's a very strong urge, and it might be behind uh, our fondness for silly characters. Cause they're, and I think even our love of animals or cats and dogs and hamsters, whatever, uh, it may, may tend from the, the, the built-in urge to care for children, right? But yeah, there's, there's a huge range of content of, uh, of, of Spinal Tap. And uh, you know, I, I think at you know it's a it's a parody, so it's or is it satire? I don't know, I don't know the difference. But it basically it takes existing people who are very self-absorbed and kind of out of it, and just sort of magnifies it, right? Um, and in that movie, of course, you had Billy Crystal in, in a in a very notable cameo, he playing up. There, there were mimes as waiters. He's like, "Come on, folks, come on, mime is money." You know? Of course, Mr. Billy Crystal, who uh, was, I think, had uh, one of the one of the classic uh, appearances on Howard Stern. And if I had to say, I think the Howard Stern radio show and TV shows, to me, were some of the funniest things ever. I absolutely loved them. I'm, I, I've I've been a uh, I was a huge fan of Howard from the beginning. I was aware of the moment he came to New York from uh, Washington D.C. In 84, and I was listening immediately, he was on NBC. And up until, you know, even even a few years into into the satellite radio, I kept listening. But I think I, I've kind of tuned out at this point. I know he's still going, but, um, you know, he had his finger on the pulse of a certain type of humor. And I know most, so many people don't get it, or they just didn't listen to Howard. But, for example... Um, you know, a classic part of that show was Jackie the Joke Man. He was, again, kind of this uh, self-absorbed guy who had all these, like, side businesses and everything. And it's just, hey, everyone, I'm Jackie. And his jokes were, like, horrible. But when they would, like, sort of gently or not so gently make fun of him, uh, that was, like, the greatest thing ever. And they had samples of him going ah ha ah, ah, ha ah. <laughs> so it was in a way it was he was sort of embodying that role he really was sort of a guy who was not as funny he, his joke writing was not great but his persona in the context of that show was one of the funniest things ever so it's kind of right it is funny or strange that a guy who's perhaps not as funny as he thinks is he is at just telling jokes becomes one of the funniest objects of humor or, or subjects of humor ever um, and uh, you know the stuttering John interviews where this 
it, for a time, this really worked. And, you know, later we learned that Howard was, you know, as people would say, kind of hands-off in terms of, like, standing up for his, his guys. Like, like he just, just deal with management. Just deal with management. And apparently he was very uh, – he was not loyal to his, his co-workers, who were a big part of his show. You know, he, he didn't really care about getting them more money or, or anything. So that was a definitely a big flaw. So we so obviously John Melendez, who's stuttering John, left. So so many of them left the show very bitter. Billy West was one of the greatest, the voice guy of Billy West, an amazing part of that show. Um, Howard was just kind of very dismissive and not very supportive. But anyway, that's not very funny. Um, but uh, stuttering John interview. So like they would write. It was this was one of the funniest things ever. They would go to all of these public events and they would write a list of questions for John to read and John had kind of a natural stutter and uh, you know it was this utter like cringe humor of him asking these like these like really annoying questions to these famous people and it really revealed I think a lot of I think one of, what was one of them what was, what was the guy's name who was uh, Sir Andre Previn right he I think he was isn't he the one that married what's her name uh, the Woody Allens whatever anyway the Mia Farrow, right? Um, so he's like, uh, uh, "Hello, wh- who are you?" <laughs> it was just such a, like that's just such a funny moment. It's like I'm Andre Previn, you jerk, or something like that, you know. But I think one of the classic ones that led to one of the classic sound drops. It's actually very hard to find now. Was Billy Crystal, who I think was a guy that. Uh, you know, he's a really funny guy. He was, you know, he was a guy that hosted the Oscars a bunch of times. He was on Saturday Night Live. He's a funny guy, but he seems like, like a lot of these guys is, really takes himself too seriously. So John gets to him with these questions, and he's just really pummeling him. And, and Billy Crystal's not ready. And listen, who who's ready for something? How do, how do you even respond to something like that without sounding like a jerk? But Billy Crystal really went off the deep end uh you know, he asked him questions like, uh, will there be a Mr. Saturday Night 2? You know, Mr. Saturday Night was a big bomb of a movie that Billy Crystal made. He's like, yes, John, yes, there will be. And, um, and you know, th- and then he, he gets in with, and, and what's funny is there is a Mr. Saturday Night 2. In a way, there's actually a Broadway musical of Mr. Saturday Night <laughs> starring Billy Crystal now. But then he's like, uh, how many years were you married before you cheated on your wife? And that really got him. He's like, you know what? You know, you you can take this back to Howard. You can you can shove it up his ass, isn't that? You know, <laughs> I know you're gonna take this back to Howard. Everyone's gonna laugh at him. You know what? It, it's 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 not funny. It's 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 not fun. <laughs> and you know, and by the way, it is funny because this guy who's supposed to be a comedian, you know, he's losing his cool. And listen, who wouldn't? John stuttering. John was incredibly annoying and asking these like horrible questions, but they mocked it relentlessly. I don't know. Is it, is it nice? I don't know, but it was just the funniest thing. So then they had a guy that sounded just like Billy Crystal that, that was doing a bunch of like, uh, you're listening to Howard Stern show and, uh, you know, uh, it, it's not funny. Shove it up your ass. And he, and he recorded, the, the Billy Crystal impersonators uh, recorded one thing was like, it, it, it's not funny. It, it, it's not fun. <laughs> and just the way he said it, Fred, uh, Fred, who played the sound effects, would had that as a drop. So, you know, they would say, oh, yeah, that's not a nice joke. And he'd play, it's, it's, it's not funny. It, it, it's not fun. <laughs> I found that to be, like, one of the funniest things ever. 
But, you know, I think you had to be there. I mean, it, it's really dependent on a lot of things. I mean, I think Howard's humor was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. I know most people would say he's just doing fart jokes and dick jokes. Uh, but it was not. It was basically this creating these situations with these a lot of very strange and funny characters. And I just think it was the greatest thing ever. And I do want to go back to listening. I, know, I remember at one point I downloaded like all of 1993, like every single show with the commercials cut out. I remember I listened like all of 93 once. Just an absolute. And there's, that stuff's still floating around out there somewhere um, on BitTorrent or whatever. Again, I feel like I, I don't like any of the satellite radio. It's, it's, it's not fun, you know. And I don't want to pay for satellite. I, I, don't, I don't like satellite radio. I don't like the, the sound of it or anything about it. So I, I pirated his stuff on satellite radio for the first few years. And I just, and, you know, at some point enough is enough. He's like doing two days a week. And, you know, the show is not as strong as it used to be. I think it's, it would still be fine to listen, but it's not as strong as it used to be. Um, <coughs> you know, I think he was really on top of something. You know, obviously, humor in general has 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 been in, in, in has kind of difficult time lately because of the heightened sensitivity to making fun of people. You know uh, that that's out there these days, and so so humor is almost any humor is going to sort of piss off someone. You know, and uh, people are much more vocal about you shouldn't talk about that in humor. You know. Whatever. I'm, I'm sure these things go, go in waves, so I'm sure we'll get back to the funniness at some point. But I know these days in society, things are a little bit, uh, a little bit rough for comedy. And, of course, recently the uh, – who was it that got attacked on uh, – Will Smith attacked Chris Rock on the stage of the Oscars in, in a bizarre incident. He go, went up and slapped him in the face, and then uh, who knows if it was planned or what. But And, and then recently, what's his name, uh, Dave Chappelle was like – Attacked from an audience member recently at the Netflix Comedy Festival. So, like, attacking comedians is now the latest thing. Um, hey, listen, it's not funny. It's not fun. I attack you. <laughs> it's not. Oh, my God. Ugh. But, yeah, Howard was the best. So, so funny. I, I mean, I just, I can't explain it, and you really can't go back. Even if you listen to the exact audio, I was, I was usually listening to it live on the radio in the, in the 90s. It was the greatest thing ever. It was so funny. Um. And then, uh, and then also get a little later in the '90s, you know, like uh, Opie and Anthony. Really, that show and the amount of content that would be considered verboten today. Oh my God! I mean, they were really pushing it, uh, and it was very, very funny. I, I mean, Anthony was the funny one. Opie was kind of, you know, the straight man or whatever. Uh, Anthony was very, fu- very funny guy, and he's still around. But a lot of it's funny because it's all funny. It's funny because. Uh, a lot of that humor that even when you talk about Howard Stern, Opie and Anthony, uh, you know, Andrew Dice Clay, we talked about transgressive humor recently. The idea that you're kind of uh, stepping on, you're, you're, you're treading on these topics of race and sex and, and all these things. Um, that kind of humor still is going, but it's on these like alt-right sites that have all gone private, apparently. I don't really indulge in it, but Apparently, you have, you you have to buy a subscription to these various services, and then you can watch uh, some people actually partaking in that type of humor. Still, including Anthony Cumia, who was the Anthony of Opie and Anthony, he's become an alt right like video star. But his stuff is all he's of course banned from any public video platform, you know, from a Facebook or a YouTube. But if you buy this subscription, 
you can watch it. So that kind of humor, and I, you know, I heard people telling me about that kind of humor that it's, uh, they still do it. Where what would have been completely commonplace on the actual terrestrial radio just a few decades ago in the '90s, whatever, or even into the 2000s, is uh, completely not not allowed anymore. You know, whatever. Um, but um, but yeah. So the so a mime. So making fun of mimes, and of course. Like even think like the Animaniacs didn't they have like a mime character they made fun of? So, uh, it's it's kind of ironic because mime is, is a very skilled art form, but it it just seems kind of stupid as a something to do. So, mimes have now become the the subject of mockery. Um, so who are the other silly people? One was a clown, and the other one was a jester. So, yeah, jesters are kind of weird because I don't, there really is no current incarnation of jesters per se the idea that um, kind of really creepy that uh, like a king or a queen would, would hire like this, this this weird person to make them laugh <laughs> it's kind of creepy and they had this thing called the marat right marat M-A-R-O-T-T-E marat that, the little stick with, with a copy of their own head on the end of it they're mostly seen in uh, playing cards or in medieval type things but uh, jesters court jesters um and then uh a clown of course which has been really i think uh as something to laugh at has really changed clowns now are considered almost universally like evil or or perverted or like monsters basically now even though at a time clown like clowning and it's all kind of related like my clowns and mimes um really kind of there's a sadness and, and a depth to them. As Slava Snow Show was a mime clown thing, as I mentioned earlier, that really feels very deep and very moving. And they said it was the, sort of the more Russian branch of clowning. I know, I know they talk about Clown College and, you know, um, Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey, this and that and the other thing. And uh, <coughs> those clowns just seemed like they were just performing like slapstick comedy. Like, they'll pretend to fall down, and you laugh. Ha, 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 hey, look, that jerk fell down, you know. That's not even, like, making, like, like a, a person that's kind of like a funny, uh, just a funny person. It's just sort of like, why do you laugh when someone falls down? You know, it's just sort of like, is, is it again because children, when they're learning to walk, tend to fall down? It, it gives you a warm feeling, as long as they don't get hurt, you know. That's kind of weird. If make you know the Schadenfreude thing, uh, where you're you you taking joy of other people's misery, you know. Um, but yeah, clowns. Uh, you know, I think really with the bizarre makeup and stuff, really <coughs> seem to have some sort of connection to like evil spirits in in uh, in tradition, uh, in religious traditions, like all those m- masks people would wear in different cultures to represent like e- good and evil spirits, kind of like clowns. And, you know, like evil clowns, like the insane clown posse, and and uh, Pennywise from It, and things like that. Yeah, it's not funny. It's not fun. They're evil. They're evil clowns. Yeah, um, but in terms of the trying to define and understand what humor is, like I remember, what was it? Wasn't it Alan Alda in one of those Woody Allen movies, like Hannah and Her Sisters? It's like if it bends, it's funny. If it breaks, it's not funny. And they were sort of making fun of this sort of self important guy like saying thinking he understood what comedy was about even though it didn't really make any sense um but i think one interesting um and i and i think also as as i mentioned like sort of humor and sadness are very much connected and a lot of comedians are like sort of the sad clown you know like um 
there's there's a darkness and you know there's a self-effacing humor a lot of comedians do use themselves as the butt of their jokes you know i'm so lazy i'm so disorganized whatever whatever um but there was a comedy special on netflix a few years ago called um hannah gadsby nanette uh which came to mind and i don't it wasn't a sensation for a few months. I don't think it really. I don't think she really. Haven't heard of her since, but it was really quite a quite a remarkable piece. Uh, I think she was from New Zealand. Um, Hannah Gadsby: colon, Nanette, uh, twenty eighteen on Netflix, and so she was basically a comedian who said that stand up comedian who said this was her last performance because you know she uh, she didn't want to keep doing it. You know she's. Uh, a lesbian and was really tortured growing up because it was a very apparently very conservative backwards kind of area she lived in and and she was made to feel unwelcome and things like that uh, but she describes you know in sort of agonizing detail how to be funny and how to be a comedian and she even said you know you build up tension and then you release it so it was i think it was a very interesting um uh analysis of humor and even though she said she quit, it became such a, sens- such a sensation that I guess she continued on. Um, but sort of the analysis and trying to figure out what makes something funny, you know, I, it's one of those things. I, it's, it's hard to say, right? But of course, I will say my theory of humor, okay? Oh, look, the black squirrel. We have one black squirrel in the neighborhood. Get out of the street. It's dangerous. It's very cool looking. Anyway. Um, and it and it does relate. I think a lot of you know the topics here on Central to me relate to our our means of information processing, which is that we sense something, we get something um, in our uh, you know through our senses, and then we have to sort of um, right. It, it the idea that we have in, inside our mind a copy of the world, and as we're experiencing things we're adding that information to our internal model of the world right which is very complex obviously so as you're listening to someone talk you're sort of um, through the act of comprehension and cognition you're understanding what I'm saying through a series of ideas and concepts and cognitions you're sort of building up and again we don't really understand how this works right the idea of the nature of cognition so as you're, as you're sort of figuring out, like, what I'm saying and understanding what I'm saying, right, it's this very complex thing. But humor is, is where something's coming in, and then there's an unexpected connection between things, you know. So, like, a joke will sort of, you know, you think it's going in one direction, then it goes in another direction. Like, what was Henny Youngman? Take my wife, please. Like, what, I, what was that joke even? It's sort of... You know, I, there's a lot of people I know. Like, like, take my brother-in-law. You know, he he does this, that, and the other thing. You know, take my grandmother. Yeah, man, take my wife. Please take my wife. He would probably would have established earlier that his wife is annoying. I don't. Know. But anyway, so you're thinking, you're saying, you know, uh, take my brother-in-law for example. Like that phrase, take my brother-in-law for example. Like in this instance, we're talking about my brother-in-law. You know, but then he's like, take my wife. The other meaning of take my wife. Like, take her! Take her away! She's annoying. <laughs> She's annoying. I'm Henny Youngman, damn it. Right? L- let me see if I can find Henny Youngman one-liners. Let's see if they're funny. Here we go. A doctor gave a man... Sorry. A doctor gave a man six months to live. The man couldn't pay his bill, so gave him another six months. You know? 
right? So that's that's like you know, oh no, the guy's gonna die, but he couldn't pay his bill. Ah, so I'll give you another six months. The secret of a happy marriage remains a secret. If you're going to do something tonight that you'll be sorry for tomorrow morning, sleep late. Another variant of that. I, I never hate myself in the morning. I sleep till noon. Some people ask the secret of our long marriage. We take time to go to a restaurant two times a week. A little candlelight dinner, soft music, and dancing. She goes Tuesdays, I go Fridays. See, as you're listening to what he's saying, he's, you're making it sound like, oh, he's having a nice night with his wife. But no, they're going separately. A doctor told me, uh, I told the doctor I broke my leg in two places. He told me to quit going to those places. So again, that's a good example. Um, you know, you hear something, oh, this poor guy broke his leg in two places. He told me to quit going to those places. So uh, some of these are like plays, the way our la- it's, it's the way language works where the same words have different meanings. And that, when you make that connection, that's funny. Why, why is it funny? I don't know. Like all those dad jokes, it's usually just a play on words. Why do Jewish men die before their wives? They want to, because their wives are so annoying. You can't buy love, but you can pay heavily for it. I take my wife everywhere, but she keeps finding her way back. When I read about the evils of drinking, I I gave up reading. See, these are all jokes, one-liners. Then there's, you know, there's sort of always a self-contradiction in there, you know. When I read about the evils of drinking, you're thinking he's going to say, wow, I found out that drinking alcohol is evil. So I'm going to stop doing it. But anyway, no, I'll stop, I'll stop reading. I, I want to keep drinking. Hedonism is, is a big part of it, too. I once wanted to become an atheist, but I gave up. They have no holidays. It's not really that funny. That's, that's not funny. It's not fun. I just got black. I, I just got back from a pleasure trip. I took my mother-in-law to the airport. If at first you don't succeed, so much for skydiving. C- can you imagine this, this guy? You sit there and he just does these this this, this like uh, machine gun rhythm of all these things. Uh, I've got all the money I'll ever need if I die by four o'clock. A Jewish woman had two chickens. One got sick, so the woman made chicken soup out of the other one to help the sick one get well. Very, very morbid. This man is frank and earnest with women. In Fresno, he's frank, and in Chicago, he's earnest. My grandmother is over 80, and she still doesn't need glasses. Drinks right out of the bottle. That's just, you know, obviously just a word that has two meanings. And you're expecting it to go one way and that, that, that weird connection when you realize the, the different meaning it's funny a self-taught man usually has a poor teacher and a worse student take my wife please okay we're done with this one <laughs> anyway <laughs> but um, <clears throat> one thing I, I just found out the other day is that uh, Mike Myers a very f- funny man with a very s- specific form of humor is back uh, of course, his high point was the first Austin Powers movie, though you know the Wayne's World stuff on Saturday Night Saturday Night, Saturday Night Live was very good. Um, he loves playing characters, different characters. He he wears makeup and different outfits. In Austin Powers, of course, he famously played multiple characters, including uh, 
Austin Powers, this sort of a James Bond wannabe type character, and then Dr. Evil, the sort of bald, based on, was it uh, Blofeld from uh, the 007 movies? And uh, he likes a lot of very self-referential humor, bathroom humor, uh, weird celebrity cameos and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I, I thought it really worked well. And, um, you know, the, the sequel to Austin Powers' Spy Who Shagged Me wasn't quite as good, but it was still, eh, all right. And then Goldmember was actually not bad. You had Mini-Me, you know, and uh, Vern Troyer, who has now passed away. But um, then he... Uh, Eventually, he did this movie, The Love Guru, in 2008. And I had n- never seen it until about a year ago. Last year, at some point, I did watch it. And uh, the, the Love Guru was kind of him just being doing more of the same. But kind of, in, instead of making fun of Austin, uh, of James Bond, kind of making fun of self-help gurus. And I think James Bond, the character, is so ripe, is so ripe for mockery because James Bond is kind of one of these happy idiot characters. Hello there, my name is Bond, James Bond. He's very self-assured, very suave, but he is kind of like silly at some at some level. So it's a perfect uh, object of humor. And I would like to point out that um, in recent history, of course, we had uh, Donald Trump uh, who easily slips into that happy idiot archetype uh, that um, I think made him so compelling to people is that he was kind of like Hello there, I'm Donald Trump. He's, he's sort of like this, um, again, very self-assured, and but also very, you know, doing like lots of saying lots of stupid things, doing lots of stupid things, you know. And it, and he's obviously in the context of a wrestling heel. Wrestling is very funny. The World Wrestling Federation. I was really more most into that, like in the '80s, with like Rowdy Roddy Piper and all these guys. Um, but then you had the villains who were really, really funny. The fil- the villains were the funny guys. You know, they were the ones, listen, I'm going to beat you in the ring, you know, things like that. And um, that whole performance really is descended from Carnies and the carnival scene. Um, and that kind of character, we have two people fighting and one person's supposed to be the villain, but they're very sure of themselves. You know, but they're they're like the bad guy, but they're kind of stupid. It's just a really compelling archetype and character, and Donald Trump fulfilled that completely. And um, you know, it was a moment in history where it was sort of unstoppable. But I think that moment has passed at this point. I I really don't think Trump's coming back. But anyway, he does sort of fill that role. But anyway, um, the Love Guru was Mike Myers doing more of the same exact thing, but I think that. Uh, that style is a bit hit or miss, right? And the character of the love guru was kind of, and I watched it eventually, and it's not a terrible movie. The idea was that this ruined his career, it was such a bomb, and I think people were tired of him already. They were tired of of his antics, so he was sort of, it wasn't canceled in the way that he did anything offensive, even though there's a lot of offensive stuff in his his movies. It's just to those those gentle constitutions of today's youth, they're, they're such sensitive souls, they they can't stand up to any anything audiovisual that that contradicts their view of a perfect world. Um, that uh, you know, I think it was kind of a despicable, like the love guru himself, uh, Pitka was the name or something. It was kind of a despicable character. Didn't wasn't quite as easy to to. Lo- I mean, Austin Powers as a character was likable, right? 
oh, behave, behave, you know, things like that. Um, so it was just sort of, what did they say, a bridge too far for him. Um, so we kind of receded into the woodwork, not that he was really wanting, because he also plays Shrek, the greatly, uh, the greatly profitable uh, computer graphics character Shrek. Um, so I'm sure he's crying all the way to the bank. But anyway, uh, he came back briefly a couple years ago for two summers on a Gong Show revival, which actually he, pl- he played a fictional British comedian named Tommy Maitland, and I think he did a really very brilliant job. Um, the fir- I only watched the first season because there was this uh, a segment where they would just play the same song every single episode. This guy would sing, uh, how does the song go? Uh, I have a sad story to tell you. It may hurt your feelings a bit. Last night when I walked into the bathroom, I stepped in a big pile of shaving cream. Right? I thought it was just brilliant. They had this guy named Albert that sang the same exact song every time. And it was uh, in reference to Gene Gene, the dancing machine from the original Gong Show. Which, again, sometimes these things are funny and compelling and interesting in a ways that you... No one could have designed it. It just sort of happened. Uh, Gene Gene, the dancing machine, was this guy that just danced, and it was just so silly and weird. It just worked. The second season they brought back Gong Show a couple years ago, they, they took got rid of Albert, so I'm like, listen, no, I can't do this without Albert. Um, but the original Gong Show, the, uh, the celebrity judges were these Z-list celebrities like uh, uh, Jamie Farr and J.P. Morgan and, and Rex Reed. That were that were just charming in their sort of uh, lo- loserness, you know. Um, and of course, Chuck Barris is this utterly bizarre guy that that took on the hosting role. Gary Owens didn't really work out. I'm sorry, I'm Gary Owens. <laughs> Gary Owens is not really that fun fun of a guy, really. You know? But anyway, um, so. I just found out like two days ago, and, I, and I, I've been—I watched mo- a lot of it already. It's called uh, the Pentaveret. It's Mike Myers is back with a you know a show on Netflix, which is just like one. It's kind of like a long, a longer movie, like a six-episode miniseries or something. I don't know. I don't know how many episodes there are, but um, so it, he he plays like dozens of characters in this. It's it's about this. Sec- it's a it's about a secret society like the Illuminati, but they're nice. That's the uh, that's the thing. And then Jeremy Irons is the. Uh, um, the narrator, and then you have like uh, Rob Lowe and Maria Menounos as like celebrity cameos, and it's just Mike Myers doing the Mike Myers thing, you know. And it's about at the same level as a Love Guru. It's just kind of like it's admirable his dedication to this really narrow band of of stupid comedy, but ultimately it's not great. But it's I'm I'm happy to see that he's back though. Because no one else does what he does, right? And uh, it's, I think I laughed once, you know, <laughs> so far. One laugh, which is not bad, I guess. But, um, <clears throat> you know, some other stuff I had written down here. Uh, British comedy, of course. Um, <clears throat> the Young Ones, uh, which they showed a lot on MTV here, really, to me, was sort of one of the funniest shows uh on and just last night on <clears throat> on the chat room we found out from Eddie about this movie One by One by Rick Mayall. It's a movie kind of 
trying to wake people up, you know, the, you know, the sheeple. <laughs> and, you know, in, in uh, Pentaveret, there's, a, there's like a, uh, an Alex Jones type character. Hello, sheeple! <laughs> you know, they're just... I don't know how right ripe of a target conspiracy theorists are because I, I feel like that's, that type of conspiracy theories is kind of, I don't know, kind of past its prime. But anyway, um, so he made a movie about, the, uh, about trying to wake people up about the realities of the world. Then he, then he died, and so the conspiracy people were like, Rick Mayall was murdered. But anyway, he was fantastic in The Young Ones along with uh, the other guys. And uh, another show he did was called Bottom. If you can find this show, him and Adrian Edmondson did Bottom, about two like loser guys who live together in a in a in a, in a flat in in England, an apartment. Um, and I'd say that one of the absolutely, f- no joke, the funniest show I have ever seen, that I laugh out loud, I go, <laughs> like actual laugh out loud funny for me, without a doubt, is Peep Show, with um. Uh, starring uh, Mitchell and Webb, the comedy team, David Mitchell and Robert Webb. And it's, again, just like Bottom, about these two kind of loser guys that live in an apartment together. And it is just the funniest cringe humor, um, self, self-loathing humor, like n- n- nerdy male self-loathing humor. you know. And, and it just strikes me so as, as the funniest thing I've ever seen. And I've, I... I I may have watched the whole thing twice. My brother's watched it multiple times. It's what a great show. It's over now. It was an absolute institution in Britain. Very much unknown here. In fact, my aunt bought me the DVDs once a long time ago. She was living in England at the time, but um, absolutely the best. And then there's some of those shows that are, like, lesser known here, such as... Uh, remember Little Britain sort of came and went? That was a pretty good show. Uh, then they had Little Britain USA. And then you don't hear anything about it. And then, of course, The Mighty Boosh, another one that was a great surreal comedy show that sort of came and went. Um, what else did I have written down here? Recently, I've been watching Tim and Eric, aw- aw- Tim and Eric Awesome Show, Great Job, which is more like millennial surreal humor. It's not, it's not bad. And uh, Carol Burnett's show we used to love. We used to laugh out loud at that show, especially the antics of uh, Tim Conway and Harvey Korman. <laughs> and... Uh, of course, David Letterman and his prime and Chris Elliott. Were, it was like the greatest show ever. So there's so much stuff. When we were little, when we were kids, one movie that we thought was the funniest was The Producers with uh, Zero Mostel and um, Gene Wilder. Yeah, and I would say also on on the radio, uh, Bob Grant, of course, who probably no one that's listening knows who he was, but PQ, you know who Bob Grant was. He was this, get off my phone, you scumbag. Let's be heard. He was this real funny guy. But it was essentially like a call-in show about politics and stuff. Really funny guy. And I would even say that Rush Limbaugh, who... He's dead now. But Rush Limbaugh, who became a real cultural villain because of his right-wing politics in the 90s, he was was really... It was a very funny show. And uh, I know people would be horrified hearing that I was... I was entertained by Rush Limbaugh at one point. But uh, I definitely was. And I I think he was a real... Great broadcaster as well. Anyway, just a few uh, things to make you laugh. <laughs> Back to you, PQ. Oh, yeah, Frank. It's a laugh riot. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, well, okay, let's see. Let's uh, go back here. Um, Howard Stern. I did, he was a hero for all of us. And, yeah, there was a certain point. I mean, the first thing for me that killed it was when he divorced his wife 
because that just just changed the whole chem the, the whole idea i mean whether he did it or not i have no idea but the illusion that there was this frisian that all this stuff was within his reach but he couldn't made the show and his mother stopped calling in when the divorce it the dynamic of the show started to for me change to where i wasn't and also i had the dis i had the advantage of living close enough that i would know what was going on but I couldn't listen to the show live. My friend would tape it and mail me tapes. And at a, it, it went to the point where we were buying VHS tapes and recording in hi-fi. So you would get the whole show at uh, SLP on one VHS tape. So the, the, these huge collections... Uh, I my cousin wound up with them, and I think he digitized them all. And for years, in the early days of eBay, before they cracked down on such things, I think he was almost supporting himself with such an endeavor. I it, we were tapers for sure, and luckily, and Bob Grant, oh, what a hero! Uh, and and Anthony Cumia, Anthony Cumia. I mean, he's towards the... I mean, well, yeah, all right means doesn't agree with your typical liberal person. I mean, that's then you're all right. There's no middle ground. But yes, uh, by, those de by the modern definition of all right, I suppose Kumia is. But the show, I mean, he's the same guy I would imagine that he always was. And uh, there's a guy who posts his shows on BitChute. I mean, I don't think I would pay to listen to this show. Although, if I were into that kind of comedy, it would probably be worth it because there's other shows on this compound media site. But I, it, but some of the shows that I've seen, I mean, that the shows with Artie Lang, Gilbert Gottfried was on a couple of times before his uh, demi recent demise. Uh, it's that old, great, and a lot of comedians who I guess are these modern equivalents, edgy guys who I just, I, I, I've watched them, I've seen them any number of times, but I don't know their names because I'm PQ River and these things just don't, uh, <laughs> it's not important what the name is. I laughed and then it was on the Anthony Cumia show and I went on with my life. I didn't go see all their movies. I just laughed. Oh boy. So, uh, stuff to laugh at. We had a lot of it, didn't we? And, uh, yeah, what we laugh at today, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just rolling along with the times, as are we all. And, um, it, like Frank said, it's all going to come back around again. And because, you know, when you when it tenses real far one way and comes back, uh, this next wave of uh, tasteless... Uh, comedy is going to be something. 
And and with that Henny Youngman stuff you did. You see, Henny Youngman, yes, it was mostly terrible jokes and the basic, but it was his timing. He would just rattle the, I got to see him late in his career at a resort in the Catskills, the Stevensville. And and it was marvelous. I, I, you laughed. He just knew how to read an audience and the timing and the cadence to just keep your brain in that state of off balance and if you're prone to laugh you're going to trying to analyze uh, comedy and humor Uh, and there are people who've done it and seem to be very good at it but I the more I learn about it the more it spoils the things that I find funny so it, it, it there's that dichotomy to deal with so we had another overnight scape central here now, didn't we? And uh, boy, was this a good one. And uh, yep, Dave and Frank, uh, thank you. Uh, and uh, next week, next week on the overnight scape central, we are going to talk about cereals. That's right. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. All of them. The commercials, the taste, the styles. And I mean, we've talked about them before here. But uh, I I am in the mood because uh, I just had one of the weirdest combinations. I mean, you think a special K and you... It, at least me growing up, it was originally like a healthy Rice Krispies. And it was one of the few cereals that I was allowed to eat, except, you know, I, I, once in a while they get me sugared cereals, but those would be for dessert. If I wanted to eat cereal for breakfast, yeah, it was Product 19, uh, which was a wheat flake. And yeah, I would drown it in sugar anyways, but that wasn't the point, I guess. But the Special K was this healthy cereal, and now they have it. It has all fruit and healthful. And then they have over in the corner of the Special K chocolatey delight crunchy wheat and rice flakes and it's got little tiny waxy chocolate pieces in it and yeah it's really that this i bet you you've tried it or at least looked at it and considered it but yes that we're going to talk about cereal right here on the overnight scape central and uh, I hope you join us. And here's how that works. Because, uh, yes, instructions would be handy. Because I am hoping you're. this is going to be the one. This is going to be where you're going to say, yes, yes, I am going to join PQ and Frank and the gang and be on the Overnightscape Central and talk about cereal. Uh, the deadline for your assured uh, inclusion is uh, Monday, May 16th, 2020. At I don't know seven p.m. Mountain Time, give or take, uh, and get it to me, and uh, we will include you. If for some reason you just want to write something and have me read it for you, the same email address that I am about to give you still applies. You ready? You better be K P Q R dot T O R C at Gmail dot com. And uh, repeating that, kpqr.torc at gmail.com. 
And uh, I think that's all the bells and all the whistles and everything and all for another splendid Overnightscape Central. Uh, I hope you had as much fun as I have. And uh, we will no doubt catch you the next time. And between now and then, set the controls for the heart of the fun.